0: So So I'm going to tell you an interesting fact. I haven't told anybody yet. So you're going to be the first one to hear it. I generally, and and this is what it's still in my presentation. I always talk about how many deals I average per year, right? I generally average about 40 deals per year, which is not a lot. And I talk about why it's the way it is. Well, I just recently closed out my books for 2019. I only did 14 deals in 2019, 14, but my profit after everything was over 350,000.
1: Wow, man. Think
0: about the math. I mean, I used to do so many. There was times where I was doing close to 100 deals a year, and I didn't make 350000 Right. I said, I only did 14 deals last year. 14. That's it. I mean, that's nothing. People do 14 a month. 14 targeted.
1: Deals,
0: 14 targeted. deals is nothing. And that's yep. what I did for the entire year, and it was over $350,000 in profit. And that's, that's awesome. one profit center. You know, that's not my, Wholesaling is just a small part of what I do. But I mean, one profit center, and it's, I mean, 14 is not a lot. People are like, I don't want to do 50 deals, 80 deals. I want to do 20 deals a month and all these crazy numbers. I'm like, don't worry about how many deals. Worry about how much you make.
1: Hey everyone, Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today we have another special guest and we're going to talk about a topic that I'm willing to bet no one has ever heard about, and it's because Scott made this (laughs) verbiage up. I've known Scott for several years now. We were uh, on the speaking circuit together doing events under the same uh, company, Uh, and I gotta tell you, Scott is an awesome, awesome guy, Uh, and he has a unique approach to real estate investing, and I think you guys are gonna love what we're gonna talk about today. So we're gonna talk about not only uh, getting deals, but we're going to talk about how Scott executes those deals, and um, how he sets things up in order to uh, think about the future. And also, I don't know if Scott wants me to talk about this or not, but I will. Scott has a unique approach when it comes to the mentality of uh, material things with within your real estate investing business. For example, uh, he told me one time he was he was driving a I believe what did you say a hundred and ten thousand dollar car or something like that.
0: Yeah, he used to have a Cadillac XLR convertible.
1: Yeah, so very expensive car. And then he noticed that everyone that was lending him money was driving a Honda Accord. And if if Scott talks about that during the course of uh, this particular podcast, now I'd actually like for you to share that. But uh, for the most part, that was an interesting approach. And it was counterintuitive to what everyone else thinks success is all about. I love that. a Honda Accord versus a Cadillac and and you think about it and and you look at, you know, what the private money lenders are driving and then match that. I mean, it should tell you who has the money and who doesn't, right? So something I, I definitely wanted to talk about today. Scott, what's up, man?
0: What's up? What's up? Happy to be here. Good to see you, Jamel.
1: Likewise, likewise, man. So you're in Virginia, the next state over. I actually got to come out and see you again, man. It's been, it's been a little while, but I appreciate you jumping on this uh, podcast and uh, be willing to share this information uh, today. That Absolutely. We're yeah, man. So why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, how you got started in real estate, and then we'll, we'll dive right into the uh, meat and potatoes. All right.
0: Well, I'm going to give you the short version so that you're not here till uh, 6 p.m. tonight. But So <laughs> I, I originally, you know, I'm, I'm aging myself, but I, I originally started buying houses back when there was non-qualifying assumptions. Um, If you may or may not remember them, they ended them in 1987 for FHA and 89 for VA. And what that meant was anybody can take over the mortgage legally through the bank. And you just had to pay out the seller their equity. So I started buying in 94, my very first house I bought to live in. I was a landscaper at the time and I bought it to live in. It was 5,000 down, takeover payments. And then shortly after I moved in, another house came for sale on the block. It said $2,000 down, takeover payments. Now I had no interest in real estate, but now I started feeling like I got ripped off. And again, I know in hindsight, that doesn't make any sense. But at the time, I was like, damn, I just paid five grand. This one's only two grand. So my genius brain said, well, if I buy that one too, then it's like $3,500 each. So it was a better deal. So I bought the second house and I put a tenant in it, paying about the same amount that I was paying in a payment. It was six seventy-five dollars back then. And my mortgage was about six seventy-five. dollars And that's what really started me thinking about real estate. I was constantly thinking, I, you know, I owe this money, but they're paying for it. I borrow the money, they're paying it off. And then I, I I always joke and say, I I came up with my McDonald's plan, which the McDonald's plan was I can buy a million dollars worth of property and I can go work at McDonald's for 30 years and I'll be a millionaire. And that was my simple, I'm a high school dropout. That was my simple brain processing someone else paying off these houses. I was like, well, let me just buy him and wait and wait out time. And that was a good plan. And I was well on my way. I got to about 20 properties. I started in 94, got to about 20 properties by about 2000. And then in 2001, I accidentally wholesaled my first house. And by accidentally, I mean, I contracted a house that um, I couldn't, I, I, it was a regular con. it was not a non-qualifying assumption. It was a cash deal. I planned on rehabbing it. It was $22,000. I needed 10 grand to rehab it. It was a great deal. So I had no money though. I started going to all these private lenders, going to these local RIAs and trying to solicit the funds and everybody turned me down. And then I only had 30 days to close about two weeks into it. One of the lenders called me back and he told me, you know, I won't loan you the 32 grand, but I'll buy it from you for 32 grand. And I remember kind of laughing and I'm like, I'd love to sell it to you, but I don't own it. Sorry. And uh, he was like, don't worry about it. I, my lawyer, I do this all the time. My lawyer will take care of everything. No big deal. So I went and signed some papers and, um, Didn't even know what the hell I signed. Obviously, I know now, but at the time, I didn't know. And then about two weeks later, they called me back and said, your check is ready for pickup. And I went in, and it was a check for $10,000. First money I made. I've been in real estate seven years, had 20 properties, and I've just been feeding them. Deal went bad on me. I'm trying to get out of the contract, and I made $10,000. So that kind of shifted my whole focus to, I don't have to wait 30 years to make money in real estate. I can make money right now. And I've been doing it basically full-time ever since. Um, I realized, you know, we can make money doing real estate right now. So I've never looked back. So I've gotten into everything, I, you know, rentals, wholesale, um, rehabs. I did hundreds of rehabs. I did building new construction. Um, I'm going to tell you, you know, I know you're, you're limited on time here, but I'm going to tell you. So I, I got to about 84 properties. I'm going to tell you the bad with it as well. So I got to about 84 properties um, and I was crushing it. I mean, wholesaling, rehab and everything. We were just crushing it. I had 84 rentals on the old model. And I'm prefacing this to tell you why I believe in the new model now. Um, And I was making a ton of money. I had just about a million dollars in cash saved. Um, I, you know, it was just on top of the world. And then 2007 came, and you guys all know what happened then. So overnight.
1: Happened to all of us, man.
0: And and when I say overnight, I mean overnight, out of my 84 properties, probably 30 to 35 of them stopped paying. Because although we were crushed in real estate, everybody was crushed in every industry. People were losing their jobs. So it didn't matter what you were in. The economy was bad and people were crushed. So I had about 35, 40 of them stop paying overnight. I had mortgages on all of them. The houses that I rehabbed, I had contracts to sell. The banks were shutting down left and right. Every day banks were shutting down. So we're pending closing. We're like, oh, if I can just make it till Wednesday, we're going to get this money. The bank would go out of business. And, uh, and now we got to start the process all over. So it was it was devastating. So in the end, in the end, I lost about 50 properties to foreclosure, which is tough on anybody, but it's especially tough on a guy whose business was, we stop foreclosure, right? So it was, it was really tough. So 2007 to mid 2008, I didn't make a dollar, showed up to work every day and had nothing to do other than watch my, my uh, money go out the window. I ended up with zero. I had all that money and I paid every month the deficit on my rentals, trying to fight the good fight. When the money ran out, I lost the houses. Um, so then, You know, 2009, late 2008, 2009, we started rebuilding. The market was good at the time because we're like plummeted. Well, I started doing stuff different. At that time, I started paying attention to who did well in the bust. Who, you know, like you just said, we all lost our ass. We all lost. We all lost. We all lost. Well, not everybody did. So almost everybody I knew did. You know, we all got crushed. And a lot of people never came back. They went back to their jobs and they won't look at real estate anymore. They're like, no, 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 no. I tried it. It doesn't work, right? So a lot of them never came back, so it thinned the herd. But on top of that, some people flourished during the bust. And so I started paying attention, and I was like, you know, what did they do different? What was Why is this guy crushing it? And now it's 2009, and stuff's on sale for 30%, and he's buying all he can, and we're just trying to be able to pay our bills. So I started paying attention, and one of the big things that I noticed, and, and, I, and I always can hear people's thoughts, it goes against the grain of what everyone teaches, but one of the big things I noticed is that um, they owned all their crap free and clear. Yep. We were all taught. I know I was, and I I know I'm I'm guessing you were and pretty much every seminar out there still teaches it. They were all taught the leverage model and go out and refi, pull out that cash. It's tax free. Pull out the equity. It's dead equity. If you don't use it, right? All this stuff. I've heard it a hundred times and then use it to buy more and then take that equity out and use it to buy more. And it all makes perfect sense on paper until it doesn't work. In which case everything's a house of cards. And so I started paying close attention to what they did different and I revamped everything. So now I live a completely different life. I, you know, you, you started talking about it earlier. So I live a life now to where I don't have, I have my mortgage is just about paid off. It'll be paid off probably within four months of my house. I have no car payments. I have no credit card payments. I have no debt whatsoever. And so I don't have any stress anymore. I'd still turn gray, but that's my son. But, um, but I don't have any stress anymore. I don't have to come up with crazy money. It got to a point where I had to come up with 25 grand a month just to be at zero, just to pay the overhead. And I'm like, so th- you know, that's a lot you have to do every month just to be at zero. That's no extra money. That's just to be at zero. And now, I mean, I could, if I decide I don't want to work for a month or two months or six months, I don't have to. I have enough coming in and it's so just well, a whole, whole different world than what I used to do. And right. I used to be the opposite as far as like you were saying, fancy cars and all kinds of expensive stuff and all this stuff. Now I still spend a lot of money, mind you, but what I spend it on is vacations. I might spend hundred grand a year on vacations. I probably spend thirty grand a year just going to Mississippi State games because my son loves them. And I'm okay with that. For experiences, I'll spend money on, but but I'll buy my jeans on
1: sale, you know, and you know what, man? That's a great point because a lot of people, you know, people jump into it, they I mean, especially when you got Things like Instagram and stuff like that. Everybody wants to be rich and they're really broke. But it's, it's funny because a lot of people come into this business with the monetary value in their mind. What they fail to realize is that money, you know, when I was down on Wall Street, they used to say this money is nothing but a tool that allows you to experience things. So if you want to go to the moon, it'll cost you a couple million bucks to go to the moon. You want to travel the world, this, here's how much it's going to cost. You know, money provides experiences that's all money is and the more you know obviously the more money you have the more experiences you can you can have at the same time so i love the fact that you said that you know uh you you'll spend 30 grand a year on going to a mississippi state game because it's an experience right or a hundred thousand dollars a year on vacations because it's an experience but it's not like going out and buying material things i love that man
0: yeah. So I, I think you, you alluded to it earlier. So I used to borrow hard money, for, you know, flipping houses, and I would constantly be, I, you know, I, I had two Cadillac Escalades. and I had a Cadillac XLR convertible, and I loved it. I mean, it was my baby. And I would go to pick up checks from my lenders, and they were always either in a Ford F-150 or a Honda Accord. And, um, and I'm driving up in this nice car, and they'll look at it and kind of smile. Oh, nice car, nice car. But in their heads, they're probably thinking, you schmuck. <laughs> you know why you're borrowing from me at these ridiculously high rates is because they're you know they they're putting their money out to work and I'm putting right. my money in a car it doesn't make any sense but I didn't see it at the time at the time I was like no I need more money I'll just go do another deal and that was all great until there was no more deals right and all of a sudden I still owed all that money and um and so afterwards I changed everything I mean I tell people all the time I said guess what I drive now I drive a Honda Accord and I'm committed to it I started in 2013 on my first Honda Accord I'm on my second one now and I'm like that's it I go in with a check and leave with the car. I'm not doing. I don't have to fill anything out. I don't have to do any of that stuff. My wife has a Lexus, but I still I brought in a check when I bought it. You know, fifty five thousand dollars, and I just pay for it. I'm not doing any financing. I'm not paying any interest on anything. Love it. And, um, and I have to be that way because that's the only way I'm okay with it anymore. If I can't write a check for it, I don't want it.
1: I love so, it.
0: So take it back to houses. So and I, and I know I'm jumping all over the place, jamel So stop me if you need. No, this to. is good, man. But houses people naturally say, because I believe in free and clear houses, and we can argue to the, to the end of the earth on all the reasons it's bad to have free and clear properties. So I believe in free and clear properties, but the natural thing someone will say is, well, that's great, but I don't have $3 million to go buy properties or $10 million to go buy properties. I get it. So I still do borrow money to buy houses, but what's different is I pay them off as quickly as possible. I, I have a saying I tell my coaching partners, and that is, you do not deserve to take one cent from your properties until they're free and clear. Once they're free and clear, now they're yours and they'll pay you forever. But until they're free and clear, they're not even yours. You work for the bank.
1: I'm, I'm going to tell you something, man. So, I, I, you know, you came into one of my events a couple of years ago, and in turn, I came to yours out in Virginia Beach. And I, I got to tell you, man, since then, you, you spoke about that slow flip model, which we'll, we'll talk about today. Um, I incorporated some of that recently into a couple of Couple of uh, creative deals that I'm doing. In fact, one of them should be paid off next year. But we're collecting a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, and I've only owned it for, you know, it's been, it's going to be two years. When we purchased that property, my intentions were to pay it off within two years, and then we collect on it for the next ten forever. Years. Yeah. You know. So, and that's a thousand bucks a month coming in from one property, free and clear. Yep. So I love that business model, man. So let's let's talk about slow flips for a little bit. You know, how can the average first of all, how are you finding your deals right now?
0: So, direct mail, well, there's a couple of different ways. So wholesaling, there's two different businesses we're really in here. So um so I do I do local events, I do local training, coaching, you know all that stuff. And so I work with a lot of local people who are doing wholesales and slow flips. So for the wholesale business, there's there's different marketing than for the slow flip business. So I'll touch on both of them. So for wholesaling, we do everything. We do all the guerrilla marketing, but our mess deals come from direct mail and from the internet, same as probably the whole rest of the country. Um, it's crushing right now. My, my coaching students for the month of January have $284,000 in wholesale fees on the board. That's, all, that's only between nine people, $284,000 in wholesale fees. It's
1: that's crazy. fantastic, man
0: but it's consistency they're all spending money every month $1000 and i know 1000 doesn't sound like a lot i used to spend up to 15000 a month but they're doing it consistently and because they have such a small business this is where people screw up when they scale i'm like i'm against scale if you mm-hmm. hadn't noticed when you're small you can do one deal and make 20 30 grand and that money's yours when you scale like i used to do i used to spend i used to have $25000 a month 15 was just marketing before i made a dollar i had to come up with 25 so you do deals and it's just, it's no more excitement. The money just goes in the account to pay the overhead.
1: Right. You got to pay even, your team and all actual. of that stuff. That's right.
0: Yeah. And if you have a month where you don't close anything next month, you got to do 50,000 to break even on last month. Yeah. And before you know it, you're just chasing. You have this big business and all these employees and you're doing all these deals and the stuff people brag about, oh, I'm the biggest wholesaler. I do more deals than anyone. Yeah. You, and they may, not putting them down. They may do more deals. It doesn't mean they're making more money. Right. In the, and this is where people get confused, especially in real estate. Everybody brags on how many deals you do. How many deals did you do? How many deals do you do? Screw the amount of deals you do. How much money are you making? Are you making money? Because I know people that do 100 deals. 100 deals and they're making 100 grand a year. I'm like, really?
1: You're, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you and make Because they have all deals these employees
0: and other families they're taking care of. You know, they're, you know, it's ridiculous. I'm like, you did 100 deals and they only made 100 grand? I'm making 130 grand. I'm like, it's ridiculous.
1: So how many people do you have on your team at the moment? Zero.
0: Just it's you. Me well my wife my wife works with me but she stays at home she answers the phone though for my byline but yeah it's just me
1: you know it's funny because i only have uh right now at this point i got my i got a couple of vas uh answering the calls but you know we just i literally just had a conversation with my virtual assistant we were making offers over the phone and i wanted to make that transition back into my old school model you know initially You know, I I was just talking to a couple of other guys who had me on, they featured me on their podcast and my goal was to do $6 million this year. I don't even have that goal anymore. Uh, When I did the numbers, I sat down and and worked the numbers out. You know, at the end of the day, I can do, I can bring home a lot more money if I stayed small. So it's interesting that you're talking about this because, you know, majority of that money was going to go out on overhead anyway. So So I'm going
0: to tell you an interesting fact I haven't told anybody yet. So you're going to be the first one to hear it. I generally, and and this is what it's still in my presentation, I always talk about how many deals I average per year, right? I generally average about 40 deals per year, which is not a lot. And I talk about why it's the way it is. Well, I just recently closed out my books for 2019. I only did 14 deals in 2019, 14, but my profit after everything was over 350,000. Wow, man. about the math. I mean, I used to do so many. There was times where I was doing close to 100 deals a year, and I didn't make 350000 Right. I said, I only did 14 deals last year. 14. That's it. I mean, that's nothing. People do 14 a month. 14 targeted.
1: Deals,
0: 14 targeted. deals is nothing. And that's yep. what I did for the entire year, and it was over $350,000 in profit. And that's, that's awesome. one profit center. You know, that's not my – wholesaling is just a small part of what I do. But, I mean, one profit center, and it's – I mean, 14 is not a lot. People are like, oh, I want all. to do 50 deals, 80 deals. I want to do 20 deals a month and all these crazy numbers. I'm like, don't worry about how many deals. Worry about how much you make.
1: That's right. I love it, man. You know, that, that's, a, that's a, you know, if you guys are listening to this right now and, you're, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys out there doing a lot of deals, you know, and it, it can be impressive. It can seem impressive, but what's more impressive is how much money you're actually bringing home. Uh, so you hit the nail right on the head with that. So, man.
0: so I listen to a lot of podcasts too, as I'm sure you do. And your, uh-huh. your listeners, I'm sure they're listening to this. So they listen to others as well. And I almost hear the exact opposite on all of them. Everybody wow. talks about scaling. How do we scale your business? How do you hire people? Hire a buyer, hire a seller, hire a coordinator. And they're all, everybody's talking about scaling. And every time I hear it, I'm just like, no, you don't have to. Now, some people want to, and if you want to have at it, that's your business. Right. I have no desire. No desire whatsoever. Less I'm headaches, make man. Make money, not to have uh, you know a huge machine working.
1: I love it, man. Counterintuitive to whatever what, what popular belief is. So right now, you 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 don't have a virtual assistant. You don't have a team. Uh, obviously, you have an office, but you're still doing a lot of a profit. Not even a lot of deals, but your majority of it is profit in your business because you don't have anybody to pay. Right. right? Correct. Awesome.
0: I, I make a check, and it's mine.
1: That's you know, right.
0: I used to say, I deposited it goes into the black hole. It didn't matter yeah. if it was 20, 30, 50 grand, I deposited it and it was enough to cover the bills. It yeah. went into the black hole. Now, it's mine. Like That's it right, man.
1: when I started. Now, how many hours a day are you working on your business at the moment?
0: You know, it's hard to define work cuz I go to work every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so so I probably leave my house at at 10ish. Um, I get up real early, but I do some stuff from home, but it's hard to define what work is because then I come to the office and if I don't have an appointment, I'm more or less hanging out in the office. I got people to come and go and I got a lot of coaching students that I work with, but work on this business, you know, basically it's almost not at all. When I have an appointment, I go on the appointment and then it's all just a matter of texting to sell them. So, I don't spend a whole lot of like if we're talking about the wholesale business, I don't work on it much at all. Gotcha. My my slow flip business, I work on almost not at all. I have a system set up for that my coaching business is where i put my time in mostly gotcha. that's the bulk of my time goes into my coaching business
1: so how do you manage you know let, let's dig into this a little bit so how do you manage to do let's say even 14 deals let's say the average person listening to this podcast right now how would they manage to copy what you're doing how can they go out and even average one deal a month you know if you if you do the math you're if you, you did 14 deals last year that means you made what 30 grand per deal so, like
0: let that. me tell you, that wouldn't be fair for me to answer. And well, I'm going to answer it, but it's not fair to your your listeners to say right. that go and do you've been thing.
1: around for the, you've been around for a while.
0: That's why. So I pretty much quit. Um, I'm, I, the bulk of my time goes toward my coaching business. My, mm-hmm. you know, I do trainings and I do coaching business, and I do deals with them, and I didn't count those deals. We do a lot of deals with my coaching students, but I didn't count those. So I pretty much don't do any marketing anymore, like zero. When I say zero, I mean zero, except mm-hmm. for my website. I still have my website up it's $99 a month and I generate a lot of deals from it. Um, so I do no marketing. That's why I get to keep all my money. I have no staff. I have no marketing, but I've been doing this. I started buying in 1994. So it's a right. long time I've been in business. So I get so many referrals um, that are just from people that know me. And, and because I'm doing the training business, I'm even more known. Yeah. People know, you know from the radio and from Facebook and all this other stuff. So people say, oh, I saw you, blah, blah, blah. My aunt has a house she wants to sell. And I didn't do any marketing for the buying houses. I did marketing for the seminar, but I still end up buying houses from it.
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, a couple of years ago, I had a guy walk into one of my seminars. He said, look, I'm not here. I have no, absolutely no desire to be in a real estate business, but I have a couple million bucks. And I want to lend it to you. He walked right into one of my events and and, and came up to me after the event and and became a private money lender. <laughs> so Fantastic. this is kind of funny, man. So it it is beneficial to have a platform like this uh, where you can work. And that's
0: why people. I say it's not fair to tell to tell yeah. your students or your listeners as to well how could you duplicate this because it's not re- it's, it's not I'm not even trying to do it because right. I'm pretty much working on the other business. This is just something extra because it, you know the deals come in. Obviously, I'm going to do them.
1: That's right, man. So no marketing at all and was able to do 14 deals. And uh, imagine if you tried. So you know? well,
0: let's talk about my students though, because that's yeah. a number that your people can duplicate. On average, my students spend $1,000 per month. Okay. Um, we try and keep that as the minimum. A few of them spend $2,000 a month. Most spend $1,000.
1: Postcards.
0: Um, direct mail. We do it through a service called Velocity Marketing. So we do it through a service where they all do it collectively. On top of that 1000 they still some of them still do bandit signs. Some that we still do a lot of different things: billboard cards, gorilla cards. They all still have websites that we market. We still—I'm very big into YouTube videos for getting um, SEO ranked mm-hmm. because it's free and it's incredible how well it works. I'm always shocked that people don't utilize YouTube. It's owned by Google, and you link your website, and it's incredible how well it works. So they average about a thousand dollars a month plus some legwork on on the additional little things. And you
1: yeah. said all old school gorilla marketing stuff, right? Yeah
0: okay and and they're doing really well as well so they're not doing a deal every month mind you but they're doing big deals so you know my biggest one one of my students my biggest one on the board right now is 55,000 but there's one at 52,000 then there's 29,000 25,000 24,000 20,000 18,000 and then there's a four a seven and an eight so there's some smaller ones but they're bigger deals they don't have to do a lot of deals. These, you know, Most right. of my coaching students are full-time and they have jobs. And so they don't have to do a lot of deals. They can do one deal every two or three months and triple their job uh, income yeah. or double it. You know,
1: I mean, um, you think about that. That one student that did 55,000, even if you know, he did four of those a year, I mean, he's looking at over 200,000 bucks in, in, in profit, man. So yeah. that's fantastic, man. Yeah. So they're all doing guerrilla marketing. And obviously the slow flip process is a little different Uh, they're, they're buying these houses at what in your market, 70 cents on a dollar minus repairs?
0: 65. We, we, we try and do 65 because we, as a wholesaler, we need to resell them at 70 to 72%. So we try and buy 65 unless based on situation we can buy significantly lower.
1: And how many leads is it taking for to come in? Let's just say, you know, I know, you know, your, your, your numbers. On
0: average, it takes about 20 leads to buy a house. That's
1: it. 20 offers
0: sometimes 20 leads can buy five houses and then sometimes 60 60 leads will buy zero. So on average, it's about 20 leads to buy a house.
1: And when we say leads, we're talking about offers, right?
0: Correct. Well, people that want to sell their house, I consider a lead.
1: Right. Sometimes we get,
0: you know, I can't count calls because you get a lot of calls screaming and yelling, take me off your list. So I don't count those as leads, but actual leads, it takes about 20.
1: That's the same thing here in my market. And I'm seeing that those numbers nationwide with, with yep. the coaching students that I work with as well, man. The problem that a lot of people face, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of people don't make enough offers, and that's why it just doesn't work. They don't do the necessary things to get the phone ringing in the first place. So if you spend a thousand bucks a month, you know, um, generally speaking, you you should get close to, you know, that twenty offers per month. Uh, in order so to make a deal. If you're I mean,
0: also doing the other marketing as well. Right. So the, the biggest problem, and we said that's an average, right? You got to do 20 yep. deals to, to 20 offers, 20 um, leads to get a deal. Well, the biggest problem is it might not be your first 20. It might not right. be your second 20. How many people
1: quit? A lot, of people man. quit? And that, I mean, that's my
0: job as a coach is to keep you from quitting. That's my biggest job is to keep you from quitting. Because I know if you stay in it, you're going to win. That's right. However, People are like, well, I spent $1,000 last month and 1000 the month before, and I still didn't get anything. And there's nothing you can really tell them other than stick with it. You got to stick with it because it, it will come. But you don't get a refund on the months you didn't get anything. However, the other thing is oftentimes three, six, nine months from now, you'll close a deal from last month's marketing yep. where you didn't get anything.
1: It snowballs. But you, you
0: got to be in the business to get to that three, six, nine months from now.
1: That's right. I, I think tell people all the all come time, come Scott. People from quitting. Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, give yourself, think about not making any money for six months and give yourself a fair marketing budget. I don't care if it's 500. I like a thousand bucks a month uh, for my coaching students, but some of them just can't do a thousand bucks a month. So it'll, it may take them a little longer. So I tell them, look, at the end of the day, you have to be willing to commit to at least six months of marketing and act like you're not going to make a dime. I'm not saying it's going to take six months to get a, a, a deal, but if you really want to reap the benefits of this, you have to, you have to remember you're, you're working with people who don't know you and you're asking them to sell their biggest asset to you at a discount. Right. How, many a are discount. Gonna, you know, how many people are going to want to do that? So you got to be willing to, uh, number one, hang in there. You're going to need that stick-to-itiveness. And at the end of the day, if you hang in there, eventually those numbers that you're putting out, the, that marketing that you're putting out, uh, and the calls that come in becomes a snowball. You, you you gain that snowball effect from it. And eventually it just turns into multiple uh, deals for you. So, so the key is to just stick with it. You got to stick with it, stick with it, stick with it at the end of the day.
0: And people say, oh, that's easy for you to say. You're not the one spending a thousand a month or whatever they're spending. But the reality is you have to, that's the only way to get there is you, have to, you have to stay doing it consistently.
1: That's it, man. So you have two different marketing channels, you know, two different types of deals that you're working right now. So let's talk about the slow flips a little bit, the marketing no, channel flips, for
0: that. Um, should I get into what's a slow flip or just how the marketing works first or?
1: Let's, let's talk about what a slow flip is for those, who, for lo, for those who, who don't know what it is.
0: So I'm gonna give you the short version, but a slow flip in my definition, I always, I always say uh, a slow flip is the uh, selling a house as slowly as possible for the fastest possible path to wealth. And, and I'm talking wealth, not making a ten dollars or $20,000 assignment fee, but wealth. And so Slow Flip, the way we work it is we buy the low end, the highest of the low end housing. And every market is different. So I don't know where you guys are watching from. They're, they're not available in every area. <laughs> Excuse me. I know where you live, Jamel. There are areas out there you can do yep, it. I do um, it. You do it. So up and down the East Coast, most areas there, there are, if you go Midwest, there's tons of areas. You can't do it. Obviously like a place like Long Island, for instance, if you live on Long Island, you need to invest outside of your market because right. the cheapest house there is going to be three, 400,000. So it's going to be a challenge. So what we do is we buy the, we buy very inexpensive houses. And I, I hate to even say the number because I know it's a broad market who listens. So my book on Amazon, I have one negative review and his negative review was that my numbers are unrealistic. You can never find a house for those numbers. And I'm like, well, Yes, we do. So we try and max out on these slow flips at $30,000. And there's a reason for the 30, and I'll explain to you in a second. So we buy them at $30,000 or less, um, occasionally over, but if we do, we try and pay out the difference over the 30, and I'll explain to you why. We borrow private money, um, not hard money, but we borrow private money that's amortized. So it's, it's it's not six months or 12 months and you have a balloon. It's amortized. You have a monthly payment every month for five years, and then it's free and clear. So we pay 12% interest, mind you, 12%. You know, and again, everybody's like, why do you pay so much? You can get it for cheaper. When you do such a short-term amortization, do it on your own amortization calculator. It's minimal, the difference. However, to get a lender and you tell them they're paying 12%, lenders are lined up to do the funding. So we borrow the money, the full money, 30 grand, for five years at 12%. Then immediately, so we buy the house right now. I have it funded. I got no money out of pocket, right? So you're paying.
1: You said out. you're paying 10%? 12%. Twelve percent. Okay,
0: it makes my payment six sixty seven thirty three. Right. So the reason is the reason we don't go over thirty, and that's what I was going to get into in a second, is because if I go over thirty, it makes it so we would be negative cash flow, and I never want to have anybody get into negative cash flow. So we try and cap out at thirty. But immediately, this is the trick to it now. So we buy this house. Somebody else funded it, so I got this house with no money. Immediately, I sell it with owner financing. So I, you know, I bought it for thirty. I sell them on average at eighty nine thousand dollars. $89,000 $89,000 at 875 a month but for 30 years. Right. You with me? So I bought it for five year mortgage, so I don't make any money for 5 years. My payment's 667, they're paying 875, but I'm also covering the taxes and insurance. So I don't make any money. They generally put 3 to $5,000 down, which you could take that, it is made money, but I always tell my people leave it in the account so if it's ever vacant again, you don't have to come out of pocket. So now they pay you for 30 years. 875 a month. So you basically got the house for free. You've got a house. Somebody else funded it. The first five years, you didn't make anything. And now for the next 25 years, or more than, more likely than not, forever, Enough. because the average length of stay in America on a home is five and a half years. So odds are they are either going to sell it, which you hope they do, and pay you back three times what you paid for it, or they're going to move out and give you back the keys. So either way, it's fine. It'll keep recycling. And so I, I always say it's, it's for 30 years, but really, it's been forever you know, it's something that 99% of the time will go on forever. So you took no money at all and created 667. um, I'm sorry, you paid out 667.33, and then you created 875 coming into you forever. If you just stick out the first five years.
1: That's it. So quick. So a couple of things that you mentioned there that has my brain spinning, and I'm sure a couple of our listeners have, they they may be thinking the same way. First of all, how are you getting around a Dodd-Frank that with this? uh,
0: Great question. So now everything I'm about to tell you has not been challenged. Dodd-Frank has not challenged anybody yet. So I I have searches on Google as I'm sure you do to see if any investor ever got any kind of anything with Dodd-Frank so we can see what's going on with it. But the way I interpret it is you're allowed to do three deals without worrying about it, three deals per year. There's a question of whether it's three deals per year per entity or just three years per per year period. We don't know the answer to that. But right. the biggest way we get, a every, some lawyers say it's per entity. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because you can have 100 entities. So why even do that? But again, it ha- nothing's been tested. But one thing that is a fact is it only applies to homeowners. It does not apply. It, it applies to if I sell to a homeowner. It doesn't apply if I sell to an investor. And so we've, after Dodd-Frank came out, we've repositioned our entire business to we sell these to investors. They, we sell them to 2005, Scott. In 2005, I would have bought all of them. I would have bought anything. Somebody would own a finance and I can make $100, $200 a month cash flow. I was the buyer back in 2005 until I learned a hard lesson in 2007. Well, there's plenty. And when I say plenty, I mean pretty much everybody outside of my group of people still subscribes to that method of doing, correct? The other seminars, let's talk about the big boxes that come in and you know them. I don't have to mention their names. You see them every day. They fly into town every week and put on a seminar in your town. They train people. To be our customer, yep. <laughs> they literally train them. They train them to find, owner finance, find a low down payment, make a monthly cash flow. They train them to buy from me. I have, and I didn't tell your listeners this yet. I have 113 of them now. 113 slow flips. 47 of them are paid off already. The rest of them will be paid off at some point within the next five years. There, every month, I have a, a list over here as they get paid off. So every month there's another one, and sometimes it's three months with none, and then there'll be one but I have 113 of them, 47 are paid off, and they'll all be paid off within five years.
1: That Love doesn't it, suck. Man.
0: Yeah, that doesn't suck. And Not it's the all. opposite of what everyone teaches. The absolute opposite. So I'm going to go over a couple of things, questions you didn't ask, um, only because I know people listening would ask about it. Yep. These are these are low-end properties, right? Nobody wants low-end properties. So, well, you don't want to deal with low-end properties. It's a bad element. Right,
1: now, let's define low-end real quick. So... When you say low end, are you buying hood houses?
0: Some are. Okay. So I try and say I try and buy the best of the worst. Okay. So, so yes, yeah, some of them are, but my rules are this. So my, rule number one is I don't buy anywhere where I don't feel safe. Gotcha. So if I feel like I'm not getting out of my car here, I don't care if the house is five grand. <laughs> let's go. You know what I mean? If it's that dead where I'm nervous, then let's just go. I don't need another house. The second thing is I like it to be somewhat livable. It doesn't have to be move-in ready, but I like it to be somewhat livable. But that's not always the case. I bought them with no kitchen. I bought them with no bathrooms. If it's a good enough deal, I'll still do it. Mm-hmm. So when I, so a couple things. So I was going to talk about it. It's low-end. So we call it real estate purgatory. And what I mean by that is these are houses nobody wants. That's why we can get these deals. Nobody wants them for two reasons. One is the flippers, right? rehabbers. They don't flip out there because there's no retail sales. Right. There's, no, there's no retail sales. That's it. It's a rental market and people own them that live in them, but there is no retail sales. Landlords is the other part of the market. Well, landlords don't want them because it's the worst possible rental you can ever have. Their lower month, you're going to max out at about 875 to 975 a month. So they're lower rents and the highest headache. You have the lower end tenant, which means they're going to want everything repaired. They're going to be the most evictions, the most taking care of everything. So landlords don't want them and rehabbers don't want them. Well, that, that's opportunity. So wholesalers get them. And this is where we were going with, where do you find them? Wholesalers get them. and can't get rid of them. They contract it. And now they're stuck with it because all the rehabbers say no. And all the landlords say no. Until me or one of the people in my group come along, we'll take it. Because it's free for us. We see a good one. I mean, I, I have some I paid 17 grand for. I sold for 89. It was in rough shape. I go back to see it, and it's completely renovated, brand new house.
1: Yeah, yeah. because
0: we're selling to investors, and they're spending the money rehabbing them, making them into brand new houses so they can rent them, so they can make their two hundred dollars a month or whatever it may be, and go on with their lives. And not to get into a whole thing on rentals, but let me tell you, this is how I generally start off this segment. I tell people that um, I call it the great rental myth, and and what that myth is is people think you know if it's three hundred dollars a month, they always say try and make three hundred dollars a month. That's a you know good cash flow. The reality. And since this isn't two ways, so none of you people listening can argue with me, which is good. The reality is on average, you end up spending about three hundred dollars a month maintaining a property. Yep. Now, now people always argue and they're like, No, I've had this property three years, I haven't done one thing. And they're right, they're not lying, or I haven't had a repair in six months, or I only spent a thousand bucks this whole year. They're not lying, but what happens is a year, two years, three years go by and now it's a turnover. And when it's a turnover, you have to paint carpet, replace the air conditioner, whatever you have to do, and you end up spending three grand. And you average it out. And you're like, it comes it's out I've done the math, and I have very analytical friends with tons of rentals and we've gone through tracking them and it averages about $300 a month over the course of time. Wow. So for us, maintenance is zero. For the guy who bought it from us and he's like, oh, I'm going to spend this money and I just want to make my 300 a month, 2005 Scott, he's doing exactly what I did. For him, that's exactly the way he's been trained. That's what he wants to do. You know, long term, long term, long term, make this little spread. And so what I've come to realize is that 30 years is a long damn time. Oh, yeah. Five years I can do standing on my head. 30 years is a long time. When someone talks about you can buy this with a 30-year mortgage, I'm like, just don't even talk to me any further. (laughs) 30 (laughs) years is a long time. I have to be able to pay the house off in five years or I don't want it.
1: Now, you mentioned something about uh, taking out private funds to do this. I kind of do the same thing with a twist. I've been using a lot of creative strategies to do exactly, pretty much the same exact thing that you're doing.
0: With the seller funding it?
1: With the seller, with the seller funding it or taking over uh, the seller's debt or whatever the case may be. So I, I utilize those types of strategies. The, the benefit of having access to capital is you really don't have to uh, negotiate too much. I mean, it's, it's a cash deal. Now, on the flip side of that, I don't sell with the owner of finance. I sell with at least uh, with an option to purchase. Right. That I fee- used to do that. Mm-hmm. So w- what made you change?
0: I lost in court.
1: <laughs> you lost in court.
0: That. Yeah. So I always did lease options and, um, and I did them for years and I liked them. And then I had one court case where the lady, the lady came in with all these receipts. Mind you, they were all fake.
1: Right. Stated,
0: did all this work to the property and she didn't. But even if she did, the contract was she's responsible for all repairs. Well the judge's words and I remembered them always was he ruled in her favor. Mind you, it was district court. And if you got to circuit court, they actually follow the law, district court, they do whatever they want. But his words to me, which I always remembered, is he said, you had to have the benefits and burdens transferring together. You can't give them all the burdens and you keep all the benefits. And the way I had my lease options written was exactly, I had all the benefit and you had all the burdens. Right. It was a roof, you know, I'm watching my mouth not to say what they said, (laughs) good fellas, but he said, screw you, pay me. There's, you know, that somebody stole your air conditioner, screw you, pay me. Yeah. Whatever it was, I wanted all the benefit. I don't care what happened. You pay me. However, the burdens, they're all yours. And, um, and so the judge was pretty much telling me we had to transfer the benefits and burdens together. So that's when I switched over to doing a full 30 year land contract, contract.
1: Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like what, the way I do it, the people who move into my houses, they are responsible for r- repairing the entire house. They're responsible for taking care of everything. They give me a huge down payment and I, I stick to the same numbers. I'm buying them between that thirty dollars and $50,000 price. I was just talking to Ron Legrand and he doesn't, he does something similar, but he doesn't touch anything under like $250,000. My wow. problem with that is, especially in my market, I can clean up. I'm actually cleaning up with the lower end houses and they're not necessarily hood houses. And You know, a hood house here would cost, you know, maybe around 10 or 15,000 bucks. Where I'm buying in the thirty to fifty sometimes up to a hundred, depending on the uh, the type of house that I'm buying and the area that I'm buying in majority of the houses that we're doing these types of deals on are uh, thirty to fifty thousand dollars. If it, we start getting into the hundreds, then we start getting the rehab style properties or even wholesale deals. So I love this model a lot, man. So your main reason for stopping with the, you know, preventing doing lease options is because you lost in court.
0: And well, and yes, and there's a law and I don't know, I know Virginia law, so I don't know North Carolina or the rest of wherever anyone's listening, but in our law, and I'm sure it's probably every state we have the Landlord Tenant Act. Yeah. Um, And so the Landlord Tenant Act on a lease option, you're still the landlord. Right. And and the landlord is responsible to provide heat and the landlord is responsible to have flushing toilets, regardless of what's written in your paperwork. It doesn't matter. The law exists. You can't write up a contract to say, please disregard the law. I agree the law doesn't apply to me. You can't do that. The law is the law. Right. And so I didn't know that. I thought, well, no, my contract says you're responsible for everything until I got to court. And they're like, no, the Landlord-Tenant Act says they must have heat. And you're the landlord. You're responsible for providing them with heat.
1: Right, and right.
0: Mad, and that's I said, understandable. Well, I met with lawyers and I said, all right, how do I get around all this? And that's what we came up with, long-term owner finance. Long-term
1: owner finance. Now, and and that prevents the Dodd-Frank, you know, you're not too concerned about that either. So that's perfect. Because
0: we're selling to investors. If you sell to homeowners, it would still apply after you pass three in a year. Exactly. If you sell to investors, it doesn't apply. So yeah. my issue with, um, with Ron's thing, and Ron, obviously it works really well what Ron does. Um, he's been doing it for probably longer than anybody. But with, I mean, it wasn't meaning him, but meaning the $250,000 houses is, there's more cash flow, and they're a lot easier to maintain. They're a lot easier to deal with people and all this and that. But you can't do my new model, which is free and clear. You can, right. but it's you know, even it's, if you pay an extra thousand dollars a month, you're talking two hundred and fifty months to get it paid off. Yeah. It, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna always be a cash flow model, not a free and clear model.
1: Right. I love it, man. I, I love that model that you're using with the slow flips. And you're making money over time. So, you know, just like what I w- with what I do, I get money up front, money every month, and then money if they ever decide to you know, like you said, most people close stay in the house out, yeah. for about five years. So if they close out, you make money on the back end. Right. Well. Perfect. That's what real estate investing is all about, in my opinion. A lot of people get too caught up trying to be a wholesaler and trying to. I mean, don't get me wrong, wholesaling is great, right? But a lot of people get way too caught up in. Well, you almost have to do both
0: because, like, if you, you start slow flips today, you're not going to make a dollar for five years. Right. Got bills to pay next month. So you have to do both. You got, you know, right. my students are all there wholesaling and slow flipping.
1: I just did a video recently on how, you know, people get. They, they become too one-dimensional in their real estate investing businesses. And what I mean by that is they put their backs up against the wall and they focus only on wholesaling. That's the only craft that they learn. You have to think outside the box. You got to do wholesaling. You got to do some creative stuff. You got to be able to hold on and build some some uh, passive or residual income in this business. And that's how you make it as a real estate investor, in my opinion. You know, so, um, so I love I it, man. Answer
0: two questions you didn't ask. Um, for your for your listeners um, sake um, because I know this is what people ask right Right. so one of the questions people always ask is what about the condition you know when you've spending 30 grand or 25 grand or 17 grand they're not in great shape you know so so what about when the person comes to look at the house and they're like but the windows cracked are you going to replace that or there's no kitchen are you going to put a new kitchen in and my answer is always no and you're lucky and I always word it this way. I say, you know, like they're like, oh, are you, are you going to put a new kitchen in? And I'd be like, no. And you're lucky we didn't do it yet because you can probably get it done for a couple grand. But if we do it, it's going to probably cost 15 grand and you're going to have to pay that additional down payment. And they're like, no, 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 no. We'll take care of it. Or, you know, are you going to clean up the trash on the floor? And i say, no, and you're lucky we didn't do it yet because our guy charges four or 500 bucks, but I'm sure your kids can do it for nothing. You'd be done in no time. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, no, 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 don't do anything. We'll take it as is. And so that's number one. I always tell them, you're lucky we didn't do anything. And I don't do anything. I close on it. I sell it exactly as it sits. The second thing is the price. And, and I just want to address it because I know if, if people never heard this, they're going to be like, well, if you're buying it for 30 grand, how could you sell it for 89 grand, right? Especially in houses with no retail sales. So there's not really any comps to support it. How could you sell it for you know, that price? How do you come up with that price? And my short answer is, I make it up. Um, and, and it's true, I do. I make it up. However, before people think, oh, that's horrible of you, every price everywhere is made up. That's it. That's how someone comes up with a price. Now, mind you, they have to back it up with numbers, with, um, with an appraisal, but the ones they're backing it up with is, again, something else, somebody made up. Anything is worth what someone's willing to pay. Right. Period. So I answer that question um, in two different ways. So first off, I will say, you know, they sit their pocketbook on the desk when we're doing the paperwork and they'll be like, well, how'd you come up with 89000 And I mean, I'll tell them exactly like I just told you. I said, well, anything is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And this house will be sold by next week. I said, I said, you see your purse right there? You can buy a purse at Walmart for 30 bucks, or you can buy one at Louis Vuitton for $2,000. Does it make it worth $2,000? Well, yeah, because someone's willing to pay it. I said, otherwise they couldn't get away with selling it. They can sell it because someone will come in and pay it. Well, someone's going to pay me eighty nine grand. doesn't have to be you. Someone's going to pay 89 grand. So therefore it's worth 89 grand. That's the way any value is created. What someone's willing to pay. The second thing is when people say, well, there's one listed right up the road for 40 grand, you know, or there's one, you know, there's a, there's a bank owned right next door for 35 grand or whatever it may be. My answer to that is, well, I would buy that one. And they're like, yeah, but that one you got to pay cash. Well, then I would buy mine. (laughs) but that one's only 35 grand. Well, then I would buy that one. And I I, I just, I lay it out for them. So I'm not trying to pull anything over on anybody. I let them know, Hey, if that's a better deal, I suggest you buy that one, but you need 35 grand in cash to buy that one. This one, you only need the three grand down and they end up with me, you know, Mm -hmm. but this way you're not hiding anything. You're not trying to tell them some story about why yours is worth more. I tell them, no, this is it.
1: And you're dealing with investors. So they, they understand the game. Plus, you know, most of the time investors are willing to pay a little bit more, especially if they don't. Exactly. Exactly. So I love it, man. So if you had to give a, let's say a three-step process for our listeners to go out and get started and slow flipping, what would be those three steps?
0: I, I don't know specific three steps, but first and foremost is you have to learn your markets. You have to do marketing. You have to market. The, the easy way I tell this to people all the time is I say, we are, we might be in real estate, but we are in a marketing business. If you're not marketing, you're not in business. That's right. Simple as that you have to do marketing. We're in a marketing business. So if you think to yourself, if you're going to stop marketing, if you're a wholesaler and you're like, I'm going to stop marketing, well, you might as well say, I'm going to shut down my business because that's, that's the lifeblood blood of your business. You know, I'm not doing any marketing now, but my wholesaling a side thing. I do, you know, I have other things that are my main business, my wholesaling and deals come to me. I do them, but um, you have to continue marketing. You have to know your market. You have to continue marketing. And then there's, you have to pull the trigger. Don't, you know, this is something I, I hate to even say with, with you because you do coaching, but, but, um, but it sounds self serving. But people need to invest in themselves and pay for coaching or pay for somebody, some mentor, some trainer, somebody who's done this before and can cut off the 10, 20, 30 years learning curve and take them right to the finish line. So many people. You read online. You read online. People like, oh, I would never pay. You can. I'm like, well, then don't pay. And 30 years later, you're going to still be figuring the crap out.
1: That mind. That's mind-boggling to me. I mean, you have. I'm not going to mention any websites or anything like that. They're just not uh, educator-friendly websites. And and then you have people who are upset. I get it. You know, some guys are out there teaching this stuff, and they don't know what the heck they're talking about. I I, I get it.
0: I still, I still go to groups. I pay a lot of money for. I mean, I pay a lot of money. I'm still in groups. I'm still in mastermind groups,
1: and I still pay for coaching. I just joined one. I spent ten thousand bucks on one. You know, for two meetings for the entire year, two meetings. You know, but it's not about the money. It's about the benefit of being in that group. A a lot of people. If you look at successful individuals. been doing it for a while they understand they get it they understand that you have to invest money into uh your your craft and into yourself in order to improve on what you're doing at the end of the day those who are not investing into their education like you said they're going to be broken 10 years anyway so it doesn't even matter
0: or you know you can do it without investing but spend that time rather than you have it all figured out in a year you're 10 years from later you're still going to be figuring it out so 10 years now with the with the trained model you could be a, a bird flew away and you're on your own and you have your full retirement. Everything's set up and everything's beautiful. The other model, you're still struggling, trying to learning as you go. Every month, you can do it without, you know, without training. It's just going to, the time is what you're saving by I've paying someone both. else mistakes. You're saving all that time.
1: Yep. I've done both, man. So I, I get it. Me I know I, I've done it, you know, and you've done it as well. So yeah. we understand.
0: I would never have paid when I was younger. I went to, (laughs) I went to events. I never would have paid in a million years as an older person. Now I still regret it. I'm like, God, I could have been so much further along if I was just not skeptical. And if I was willing to do it, I would have been so much further along. But however now, so say I started here and now I'm here. Well, now I pay so I can get here. Mm -hmm. You know, now I see the value and I know the value and I'm like, Nope, I pay the money now and uh, I regret not doing it when I was younger, but you know, you learn, you live and you learn.
1: Exactly, man. I, I love that. The fact that you bought that out because a lot of people just don't, they don't get it. And then, uh, you know, I've had people invest the money and not do anything after yeah. that, or they'll expect you as a, you know, me, meaning me as a coach to do it for them. It doesn't work that way. How are you supposed to learn? Your but craft? this is the
0: worst part. Even if you did it for them, right. And you did it all for them and they got a check, right? you still didn't help them at all. Now they still exactly. don't know what to do with the rest of their life. They don't know how to do the business. Exactly. So even if you did, even if you did do the whole thing for them, you didn't do, you, you, you did them a disservice mm-hmm. because now they didn't learn anything and they still don't know how to do the business.
1: Right. So it's all about not only investing into your education, but also getting out there and getting the work done. I'm glad you brought that up, man. Key, key point that a lot of people, if you if you're serious about real estate investing, you need to take that tip and really think about it. I'm not saying that you, you guys are like that individually. What I'm saying is, this is feedback that we've, we've gotten from being educators for years in this space and also being in the business ourselves as well. So, slow flipping is definitely something that you guys should look into. Um, I personally love the business model because it builds capital up front, capital every month, and capital on the back end. I love business models that fit that, that model. And I'm not saying that wholesaling doesn't work. I'm saying that you need to incorporate other business models outside of wholesaling and take advantage of uh, both worlds in a sense.
0: And Um, wholesaling works, but you have to do it every month. If you don't work this month, you don't get paid. Only
1: as good as your last deal.
0: Set it up and set it and forget it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you one last thing. And, uh, and again, I know it's a question you didn't ask, but I want to just provide value for you. So. One of the things I tell people when most people don't realize what they even want, right? So we think we want a fancy Lamborghini and we think we want all this stuff, but we really don't. What most people really want, and I can't speak for everybody, is simply freedom. Money, freedom, and time, freedom. Time and freedom, man. So with that said, I have an exercise I have my people do, and I'm sure you probably do it with yours, where we have them create their future vision of what they want their perfect day, perfect week, perfect month to look like. If you can do anything you want, you don't have to worry about money, you don't have to worry about failing, what would you want your day or month to look like? So your people can do this as well, but then put a number next to it. What would this cost per month to live this perfect vision you just created? Most of the time, and you're gonna be shocked at how low these numbers are, most of the time, it's about $10,000 a month. That's it. People think they need 50 grand and 100 grand and all these crazy numbers, on average, people people actually need about $10,000 a month. So with that number in mind, it means at max, you need 20 slow flips. And so if you were to start today and really push it, and my two top students for slow flips, one did 23 and one did 21 in one year, starting from last January to this December, 23 and 21 in one year each that they own now. They're not making money off them right now, but in five years, they're all paid off. That's that future vision that we just talked about. They did in one year. If you commit and do this, say, and it doesn't have to take you a year. It can take you three years, five years. It doesn't matter. And you say, I'm getting these 20, so I'm going to live this. And then from the time you buy your last one, you have five years till the last one's paid off. You can live that absolute future vision without wholesaling, not to say don't wholesale, but without doing all the other stuff, just from your slow flips, you can say, I'm not going in this month. I'm going to hang out by the pool or I'm just going to go walk the earth or go hang out at the beach or whatever it is you want to do. And you have the same money coming in every month so you can live that ideal future vision.
1: So you're, I know you're paying right around a, a little less than a thousand bucks a month per slow flip, right?
0: What do you mean paying?
1: Well, you're, you're,
0: you mean the payment?
1: Your your payment is around six sixty seven, but your tenant
0: seven thirty three, yeah.
1: But but when your owner finance them, your your let's say your tenant, well not they, necessarily your tenant. They but pay the,
0: on average eight seventy-five.
1: Eight seventy-five. So you're taking that entire eight seventy-five and putting it in for five years.
0: No, I, I still just make the payment because they're not a bank. They're, gotcha. they're just private lenders. So I still make the payment. But then with the difference, we leave it in the account because you are responsible for the taxes and insurance. Got it. You can make it so they pay their own, and I used to, but you know as well as I do what happens. They don't pay it. Yep. And then if and when you get the house back, now you got three, five grand you owe, and you have to pay it. Yep. So now I pay it myself.
1: That's it. Got it. Understood, man. Great call, man. Great information. Is there anything else that we're leaving out?
0: Um, no, I think I think we got pretty much everything covered. I like sharing this with people because certain people get it. Some people hate it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's probably some people listening right now that they're in their head, they're going, slumlord, I would never do that. And, you know, all, <laughs> these things, all these negative things about it. My people who do it, and you see how much you're changing people's lives. I mean, and these investors that couldn't buy otherwise are now buying a bunch of properties. They're fixing them up. Families are in them, loving them. You're changing the whole neighborhoods. There's all good that comes with it, while you're making a ton of money. So, so the people that get it become obsessed with it. Right. And I love talking to these people because I, I mean, we have some people. You know, again, I, I told you we have people in our group that did basically a lifetime's worth of work they did in one year, and now if they do nothing more four years from now, they'll all be paid off. And
1: uh, and, and you're you're selling these at five percent down. You're selling
0: five percent. I do three to five grand. Three to five I do three grand to five down is a down payment.
1: And you're specifically. Specifically marketing to investors.
0: Specifically marketing to investors. Every now and then we get some homeowners in. But again, you're allowed to do up to three homeowners per year. So it's not a big deal. Um, so every now and then we'll get some homeowners depending on the property. So I'm going to tell you one other thing. And I, and I keep getting off topic, but you just mentioned the 875. And so um, for those of you who have never seen an amortization schedule, right? Right. And if you guys own your own home, I'm sure you know what it is. You mailed in a thousand bucks, you borrowed a hundred thousand, you mailed in a thousand bucks. And then the next month you see only 35 bucks came off the balance. What the hell? I mailed in a thousand bucks. Well, that's the amortization schedule. So on an, on, on these loans that we sell $89,000, they pay eight seventy-five a month for 30 years after in 30 years, they end us, they end up paying us back $315,000 on a house. We bought for 30, we end up getting back $315,000.
1: 10 times the money.
0: I share that with you to let you know in any city and in yours included, you're in your, well, you, I don't know if you're right in Charlotte or you're outside of it, but in any city, go look at the tall buildings and they all have bank names on the side and insurance companies and the reason is they're doing exactly what we're doing. But in in this case, we're the bank, that's it. Everyone yep. else is running around, going to work, dealing with all the headache and then mailing the check up to the bank our people are doing the exact same thing, but they're mailing the check to us.
1: And you know what? You know, it's interesting that you said that and that you, you know, I, lo- I love the fact that you bridge that gap when you're borrowing private. Wh- wh- let's take a step back. Banks take your money and they lend it out at a higher interest rate. That's how they make money, right? What you're doing is taking private funds and then you're buying each properties. And then in essence, you're creating these mortgages or lending it out at a higher interest rate. So you're basically, right. basically playing the bank's game.
0: Exactly. Exactly the same thing. And people ask me about houses sometimes. I said, I sometimes will drive by and buy them. They're like, well, what was the inside? I said, do doesn't matter. Don't matter. I know exactly, you know, I know exactly what I can get regardless of worst case scenario. <laughs> I look at sometimes wholesalers will put out a deal and I'll just look at the pictures and respond. I'll take it. They're like, when do you want to see it? Like, I don't need to see it. I'm good. I'm good. You know, and um, because I'm not doing any work to it anyway. I'm not worried about an after, uh, you know, a retail sale. That's it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so you got a book on Amazon. What's the name of the book?
0: Work Just Gets in the Way of Making Money. And so let me tell you something about that real quick. So it's on Amazon and it's called Work Just Gets in the Way of Making Money. But the reason, I want to clarify one thing. The the name was never meant to imply that this business does not take work. Um, I get a lot of people who think that's what I mean by that. And the reality is for years, people would always ask me, how do I get started? How can you teach me how to do what you do? And you know, and this and that. And then when I start telling them what they need to do, they almost always would respond with, well, that's easy for you. You don't have a job. And I remember I'm always thinking, you hear what you're saying? You're too busy working to make any money. You're too busy working to make any money. And so I always said, I'm going to write a book and call it work just gets in the way of making money. It really should have been your job gets in the way of you making money, but I didn't like the way that sounded as much. Right. So it was never meant to imply this business does not take work. We absolutely work.
1: Absolutely, man. I love it. I'm going to link Scott's book. If you're, if you're listening to this on a podcast, um, you can go to Amazon and check out work just gets in a way of making money. If you're watching this on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and link Scott's book in the description uh, so that you guys can just click on it and go ahead and grab a, grab a copy of it. Definitely worth getting. And it's, is it all about slow flips?
0: It's not all about slow flips. I go through everything. We always say the five pillars of real estate investing. It's marketing, wholesale, rehabs, rentals, and raising private money. So we basically cover all of it.
1: Got it. Perfect, man. So it's almost like a home study course uh, in a box, yep. all in a book. I love yeah. it, man. And if our listeners wanted to get some more information on you or get to know you a little better, what, what should they do?
0: You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not an online type of guy, so you can Google me, Scott Jelinek, or, you know, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on YouTube. I got a ton of videos on YouTube or, you know, Instagram or Facebook.
1: So let's just say they go to YouTube. It'll be at Scott Jelinek or what is it?
0: No, it's Master Investor One. Master, Master Investor One. But if one. you just type in Scott Jelinek, it'll pop right up.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Guys, yeah. definitely check Scott out. He's a master real estate investor who's running the Master Investors Academy. Is it the Master yes, Investors master Academy? Investor Academy? Master Investor Academy. Killing it in his market. Obviously, you, you can see that. You have the board right
0: listeners there. that are somewhat local to me because I only do the events yeah. in my local market. Our next event is coming up at the end of February. If anybody wants to come, shoot me a message and I'll get you set up. Um, it's going to be at the end of February.
1: So, how should they get in contact with you?
0: Um, you, they can email me if you want. Um, scott at UglyScott.com is my email address. Scott at UglyScott.com. It's because of my charming good looks.
1: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a lot of people emailing you. So That's definitely no don't spam Scott, but definitely contact him if you're interested in receiving information about his, uh, his, his event. I went and hung out with him for a couple of days at his, uh, one of his last ones uh, a few years ago. And uh, the event, definitely Scott is a class act. And the event is phenomenal, I got to tell you. But you'll learn everything that you need to know about real estate investing. And in addition to that, you're going to learn uh, more about the slow flips. Uh, I actually still have that, uh, that book that you gave me inside my office as well, man. So, uh, But definitely slow flips is the way to go if you want to build long-term wealth. Uh, like Scott said, not saying you don't want to wholesale houses. You definitely need to wholesale houses. But you, w- you also want to build long-term wealth. In my opinion, wholesaling, in wholesaling, you're only as good as your last deal. So right. wholesaling is like a high paying job. Uh, slow flips is building real wealth where you can eventually stop working one day. So you need both as, you know, you want to you, you be balanced in your real estate investing business in order to be successful. And that's what this call, this uh, podcast was all about. Really appreciate having you, man.
0: Um, little- thank you for having
1: me. I had a good time. We got to catch up a little bit more as well, man.
0: Yeah, I know. You got a new baby. I haven't seen you in ages.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got to take a trip out to Virginia. I'm actually going to be going out to Houston in a couple of weeks. Maybe sometime after that, I'll give you a call, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get up and grab a couple beers or something. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Awesome, man. It's been a real pleasure, guys, and it's been a pleasure having you, Scott, and looking forward to having you again sometime in the future, man.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. to make it easy. You can just simply go to gibbscom or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to reieducationacademy.com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.